You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. When God tries to get your attention, he always has a good reason. Always. Without doubt, without question, he always has a good reason. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And as you go there... um, there's a sentence I want to read to you. It's this question that I've been thinking about. It's this thought that I've had in my head for the last like 18 or so months. And that is that I don't want to miss whatever God's trying to teach me. I don't want to miss whatever God's trying to teach me. If there's a lesson that God has for me, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to have to take the class again. I don't know if you've ever had to take a class more than once because you didn't do so good the first time. I've done that. It's not fun. And especially when it comes to the lessons and the principles that the Lord is teaching us. Do you want to learn what the Lord has for you? Think about that for a second. If God Almighty, creator and ruler, sustainer of the universe, the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power, has something for you, whether it's an enjoyable thing, whether it's an easy thing, whether it's it's fun or not, but it's for you, do you want it? And we should, we should want it. We should want whatever the Lord has for us. The reality is, though, that so often we get distracted with just like our little world and where we're at in that moment. And we want things to go back to the way they were. We want it to go back to normal. And we forget that the best it ever was, all the good, all the plenty, all the freedom, all the abundance was only ever graciously given by God. Because whether we like it or not, we are reliant. That's the word of the day, reliant. We are completely reliant. The nation of Israel has learned this lesson. They are reliant on God. They're coming out of captivity. They're coming back. They're returning to the promised land. And they're realizing like everything that we had going on, all that was good, all of what just went on in our exile, it's all the grace of God. We are reliant on God, and we are reliant on God. And God uses different things in our lives, whether it's difficult circumstances or or loss of job or illness or relational breakdown or even a pandemic, to help us see and realize better how reliant we are on God. And so we must return to relying because so often we get trapped and we get sucked into it by our sinful flesh into not relying, into self-reliance. When in reality, all the provision and all the blessing and everything that we've ever had has all been by the grace of God. And maybe this morning as I say the word reliant, you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, I know. Like, I'm super reliant right now. Like you have no idea, guy at the front, how reliant I am. That's okay. I don't need to. The Lord knows. And I may not ever fully understand how reliant in your difficult situation you are right now. But let me tell you, I know the one who is reliable. And I am praying that God's word will help us all, even myself, who so often I slip into self-reliance, come back to a place where I know I need to be reliant. In our passage here, we're learning about reliance And we've got a great example here for us. I want to put this slide up. We're going to return to a slide. I know it's kind of a bad joke, but 
was in the, the first week, and it was really helpful for me. First and second Kings are about, how did we get here? This was for the nation of Israel. And then as they're coming back, they're, they're, they're coming back post-exile. This is, can we restore what we had? What was it that was, that was going on before that the Lord was blessing? And as we're going to see here in our passage today, it's reliance. The Lord was blessing reliance. God's people are learning how to be reliant. We want the blessing We want the end of restrictions. We want restoration of relationships. We want provision of work. We want healing. We want purpose in life. We want salvation for a loved one. We want emotional peace. All of that is only provided by the Lord. So we have to be reliant. And Jehoshaphat, who we're going to learn about today in 2 Chronicles 20, is our perfect example of what it means to be reliant. So Excuse me. Read with me the first couple verses here. It says this. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Munites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar. I practiced that all week, and I got it right for you guys. I messed it up in the first service, but I got it right for you guys. That is Angedi. Okay, so pause there for a second. Now, you might be just reading this, and you're like, okay, this kind of makes sense. Like, I've read Old Testament narrative before. There's a king, and then some people attack, and this is kind of standard. There's battles going on. But that's not what Jehoshaphat would have been expecting at this point. In fact, he's been working really hard to get the idol worship out of the nation. He's been really trying to trust God. He really wants to depend on the Lord. Now, back in chapter 18, there was another nation that they were going to have a little battle with, and so he looked to the kingdom in the north because Israel's divided at this point, and so he looks to the northern kingdom, and he's like, hey, we should work together on this, but we still need to seek the Lord, and that king was like, I don't want to seek the Lord, and he was like, well, we should seek the Lord, and that didn't go very well for that other king, but Jehoshaphat wanted to seek the Lord, And so now he's like back to seeking the Lord. In the chapter just before this, he's putting in good government. He's putting good judges in. He's trying to do all the right things. And then all of a sudden, this group of people, this great multitude is there and ready to do battle. Now I want to show you what this looks like in a map. So the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Edomites, it's also going to call them the people of Mount Seir. It's it's all from this area. But they have crossed this Jordan Valley, which goes all the way up here, up to the Sea of Galilee. It's this long valley. But they've not only left their country and crossed over, they've come, and now they're at En Gedi. They're well inside the borders of Judah. They're 35 kilometers from Jerusalem. They're one day's journey away. And they came real fast. And you can imagine that, like that, that poor guy who had to tell him, hey, they're well inside the border. You know, he gets there, he's like, hey, good news, bad news. Good news is it's sunny. Bad news is the Transjordan coalition, they're going to kill us all tomorrow. So that's not good. Okay? And they came and they came quickly. Now look in verse 2. It says that they are a great multitude. I love how both vague and emphasizing the Bible is in saying that. The point is they are numerically overwhelming in their superiority. Jehoshaphat, bud, friend, brother, you have no hope. That's the point there, okay? This all sets the stage. When the Lord tries to get our attention, he always has a purpose. I don't know why or how he's been getting your attention, but now we know how he got Jehoshaphat's attention, and this is what he does. Verse 3, then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Three principles 
when it comes to relying on the Lord. <clears throat> this is the first one this morning. Hopefully you saw it there in verses 3 and 4. Seek the Lord. Point one, seek the Lord. We need to be people who seek the Lord. Everything changes overnight. Everything went from good to bad really fast as this Transjordan coalition is now knocking at the door. They are coming. Now, Jehoshaphat, he gets, like the Olympics are coming. Okay, Jehoshaphat scores a perfect 10 out of 10 on how you react to difficulty and bad news. Immediately, he seeks the Lord. Now, it says that he was afraid there. Did you see that? Because lots of times in our life, we'll have difficult challenges and situations where we're like, well, am I allowed to be afraid? Like, do you know how hard this is for me? And even right, right now, you might be thinking, like, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm not saying you don't need to be afraid. There are very scary and difficult and challenging and real things in our lives. But we don't have to stay in that place of fear because we know the one who can conquer that. So what does he do? He set his face to seek the Lord. I like that set his face. There's just a seriousness in the pursuit of this. A seriousness in his pursuit of seeking the Lord. Do we seriously pursue the Lord in that kind of way where we're desperate, where we need him to help us? Now, I also want you to notice every time that the word Lord is used in this passage, you'll notice it's like all capitals. You see that all throughout this whole chapter. Now, whenever you see that uh, in this chapter, for sure, it's, it's because it's a, it's a proper name. It's the word Yahweh. And so the reason that they are seeking the Lord, and he would have said Yahweh, and the chronicler who wrote this would have written this Yahweh to remind the people of who this God is that they're, they're searching for. Now, Jehoshaphat had been taking down false idols all over the, all over the country. And as fast as you can tear them down, they keep popping up. In fact, right through to the end of his time as the king, he's still tearing down idols. And as I was studying and reading that, I was like, man, like, didn't he get them all the first time? But they kept popping back up. But this is specifically pointing not to some idol God, but to the one true and living God, Yahweh, the God, the promise-keeping God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he's doing that specifically because he wants to emphasize this is who we're seeking. We're seeking the one with a perfect track record. We're seeking the one who for generations and decades and the entire existence of our nation as he chose us to be his people, he has watched over us. Perfect track record, perfect power, perfect ability. That's whose help we need. So he's like, we're going to seek the Lord. And they do. They seek the Lord they go after the Lord. They know they need to rely on the Lord. What a great example for us. I want to see, to see this quote. To humble oneself before God in the face of insurmountable odds, humanly speaking, and to trust him fully for deliverance are the essence of biblical faith. Just pause and think on that for a second. Humbling oneself and trusting fully in God. That's the essence of faith. This is what we need to be going for. This is what Jehoshaphat has just done perfectly. He's humbled himself. He's the king. Like if anyone's supposed to come up with a solution, you're the leader. Everyone's looking to you. What do we do? He humbles himself and he trusts fully. He trusts fully. And this is the essence of biblical faith. This is what you and I need to have increasing in our life. Problem comes, immediate reaction is to seek the Lord. When problem, when difficulty, when challenge, when trial, when temptation come into your life, what is your immediate reaction? 
What is your response time? What is my response time like? I'll be honest. I'm one of these people who, like if I'm driving and the gas light comes on in my car, I'm like, I got to get gas like right now. Like we're all going to die if I don't get gas right now. Like I just, I, it's something inside me. I don't know whether it's like because I got kids in the car or maybe it's more in winter and I'm like, I don't want to get stranded in this. It would be a mess. But my wife's always like, you know, you've got still like 30 to 40 kilometers. Like you can relax. And sadly though, I am quicker to respond to pull over and get gas for a problem that I don't even have yet that I think might come than I am to get on my knees and seek the Lord. We need to seek the Lord. He is reliable. He is trustworthy. When difficulty, when trial, when challenge comes, this is what we need to do. And we need to do it with some urgency. Do you, I don't want you to miss the urgency of that word seek. That word seek, it means to desire or search or beg of the Lord. It's not something that just accidentally happens. Nobody accidentally seeks the Lord. It's not a passive thing. It's an active thing that we have to have going on in our lives. We have to focus on this. There's a sincere determination to receive favor and blessing and help from God. Jehoshaphat wants to make sure that God is on his side. Is that how we seek the Lord? To assure ourselves, to grow our faith and our confidence and our understanding that God is with me, that I don't have to be afraid. The enemy's still coming, but I don't have to be afraid. Well, how do we do that? How do we seek the Lord? I wrote down two things. These are really simple. But the first one is we seek him in his word. Are you seeking God in his word? God's word is how we remind ourselves. He used the word Yahweh to point back to a whole bunch of things. That those would people would have immediately known. But we use God's word. Do you seek God in his word? Secondly, do you seek God in prayer? Jehoshaphat's doing this. He's, he's set his face to seek the Lord. The whole nation is praying and calling out to God. They're like, we need help, Lord. And, they're, and we're going to learn about what he says more in just a minute. But God's word and prayer are critical. In fact, you can't seek the Lord without his word and prayer. If you think that you can draw close to the Lord by just reading his Bible, his word, and never praying, you're wrong. And if you think you can grow in the Lord by only praying, but never encountering the truths about who he is in his word, you're wrong. They have to go together. If we're going to be a people who seek the Lord. So a question I have for you then is, if if this is what seeking the Lord looks like, what is the great multitude in your life? that you need to specifically seek the Lord for, in his word and in prayer? Is it temptation to sin? Is it fear of the world's pressure on your kids? Is it worry about your job or your marriage or your health or the health of a loved one? Is it anxiety for our country and the political climate of our world right now? Listen, the only source ever and always the solution is the promise-keeping God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's Yahweh. And we need to seek the Lord. We need to seek the Lord. And let me tell you, he wants to be sought. In fact, he loves you. He loves you so much that while we were yet sinners, before we even said we were sorry, before we even understood how rebellious and wicked we were before him, he loved us enough to make a way for us that we could be forgiven and welcomed into his presence That is the biggest and most challenging and most difficult circumstance. That is the greatest horde that ever comes against us to steal his words. 
is the problem of sin. And there is a solution found in Jesus Christ. And so if he is willing to do that with our greatest problem, then friends, he can do that for any of our problems. He can help us. Will we seek the Lord? This is more than something we just say. It has to be something that we do. So Jehoshaphat, they call this national prayer meeting. Verse 6, Jehoshaphat, the king now prays. And I want to read his prayer, so please follow along with me. He says this, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, behold, the men of Amnon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, and who they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us now by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. O God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This leads us to our second practice required for returning in this relying relationship on the Lord, and that is that we must depend on the Lord. Point number two, we must depend on the Lord. Our requests of God reveal our helplessness, and they display our faith in the one who is able. What we ask about God, how we pray to God, reveals what we believe about God. And if you look at what Jehoshaphat prays here, it reveals some awesome and amazing things about how he views God. Look at verses 6 and 7 there. You'll see that he asks some rhetorical questions. And he does this because he wants to emphasize the certainty of these things, that he is God of their fathers, faithful for generations. He is God in heaven. In his hand are power and might, and none is able to withstand. That's just verse 6. And then he goes verses 7 through 11, and Jehoshaphat reminds God of his faithfulness and their desire to honor God and his promise to care for his people. In fact, he kind of quotes there uh, something like what Solomon said when he dedicated the temple in chapter 6. You will hear and you will save. He's like, this is our relationship, God. We are dependent on you. We are seeking you. We need you. And then in verse 10 through 11, he recounts back to God, as if God doesn't know, but he totally knows this Transjordan coalition has come to fight them. And he's like, listen, they're returning evil for all of the good that we've done. Now we have a big problem, God. We don't know what to do. Again, think about the humility there in that. He is the king. He is the leader. Everyone's looking to him. He's the top guy. And he's like, I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you, Lord. Our eyes are on you. We are looking to you. I love the honesty. I love the accuracy. I love his self-awareness of his need for supernatural divine intervention. He can't do it. He is fully dependent and reliant on the Lord at this moment. He's empty of all himself. I have no idea. Zero creativity, God. You are my plan. That's essentially what he's saying. I need you. I can't do this. I'm dependent. We know dependence. Maybe you have some dependents who live in your house. They're smaller. But they depend on you, right? They rely on you. They need you for everything. 
Maybe you have people in your life who you are dependent on, who you look to, who you, you need their help. There, there's, there's this place in life where you're at, whether it's because of illness or age or other circumstances, where, where you need their intervention in your life to keep going on. Or maybe you have some unhealthy dependence, things that you're dependent on that you shouldn't have in your life. Either way, we understand what it means to, to rely on something in a different way. Listen, all of those things we can live without. We cannot live without the Lord. We must depend on him. We must rely on him completely. I was trying to think of an illustration that would come close to this. And when I was younger, I had some older friends who were kind of mentoring me. And they were really into rock climbing. And they would take me rock climbing. And I remember climbing with them. And, and when you're on, on the cliff and you're holding onto the rock and you can't hold on anymore, you can't find or your arms give out and you fall and you have to let go of the rock, you become completely reliant on that rope. And there's that half a second, I'm sure it's not that long, where you begin to fall and you're like, ah, but really it's like a foot. And then the rope catches and you're like 50 feet up. Well, they were, I was only like 10 feet up, but you're still like, I need this thing or I'm dead right now, right? Where it's, you're holding on, completely relying on the rope. Now that illustration still falls apart because it's a man-made rope and it was a man who hooked it up like, there's so many possibilities for error there. Look at verse 6. He is God in heaven. He rules over all the kingdoms and peoples of the earth. In his hand are power and might, and there is no problem too great for our God. This is our God. Isaiah 41.10 says this. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is who we trust in. This is who we rely on. This is who we depend on. This is who we look to for help. Jehoshaphat knows this. The number one enemy to reliance and dependence on God is pride. It's some false sense of independence the problem is we think our strength or our money or our wisdom or our might or our creativity or our drive or our ability will be enough. And if not, well, then maybe we'll look to the Lord. No. Any of those things that we have in our life are only by the grace of God. Our immediate reaction needs to be like Jehoshaphat's. God, I need your help. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. We need to pray prayers like verse 12. Have you ever prayed like verse 12? In a desperate call out for God. I don't know what to do. I'll tell you, it's hard. Because sin wants to creep in and pride gets in there to be like, you don't fully need God's help. You got a little bit of this. No, you don't. No, I don't. But the evil one comes and lies to us. We need God's help. Psalm 16, verse 1 says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. That's the kind of prayer we need to give to God. So if our requests of God are, are reveal our helplessness and our, our display our faith, if it, it reveals what we believe about God, then when it comes to our reliance on God, I've been asking myself this question all week, and the Lord's been grinding me over it over and over again, so I'm sorry, but you get it too, okay? What does your prayer life say about your reliance on God? What does my prayer life reveal about my reliance on God? 
for whatever the great multitude, whatever the great horde is that is coming against you, what does your prayer life say about your reliance on God? We're not to be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to God, Philippians 4, 6. We need to talk to God. Pride wants to creep in to say, no, you don't need God. You can do it on your own. We need God's help. Jehoshaphat's eyes look to the Lord. Are our eyes looking to the Lord to depend on him? Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2 says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He made heaven and earth. Jehoshaphat believes this, and this is where he puts all his trust. God, you are the plan, is essentially what he's saying. I am completely dependent on you. Here's what happens next. Now, verse 13 starts off with the word meanwhile. And every time I read that, I think it's like the old Batman show when they'd be like, meanwhile, in another part of the city, and they like spin over to it. But it's all happening in the same place. But it's like, it's almost like there's something else that's going on. So Jehoshaphat's praying, meanwhile, this prophet comes. And this is what this prophet says in verse 15. Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, check this out, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jerusalem. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. This is awesome. This is fantastic news. This is amazing. A whole bunch of times there, don't be afraid. The battle is not yours, but it's the Lord. Stand firm. The Lord will be with you. And did you even notice that the prophet gives him a time and location when the Lord is going to come through for him? I'll just pause on the rest of the message for a second. That should be so encouraging to us. God knows the time and location of every difficult challenge, every hardship that we have going on in our lives. And in his love and in his care, he watches over us. And in his sovereign, perfect plan, again, he who loved us and didn't spare his own son watching over us, he knows. And so this prophet comes and he's like, listen, God has got you guys. I want to give you this statement. I read this in a commentary this week, and it's been so profound in my heart. The assurance of God's presence is more than a theological statement. It's a source of strength. Often the assurance of God's presence is a theological statement that we say. It's something that we know. It's something that we think about. But is it something that we allow to give us strength, to encourage us to stay there in the moment of battle? They've got to stand. That's all they've been asked to do. They don't have to fight. God didn't say, you know, I'm going to be with you, but sharpen your swords. I'm going to be with you, but make sure you bring extra arrows. Nothing like that. All you got to do is trust the Lord. And this is how we do it, with the assurance of God's presence. Is it more than a theological statement for you, or is it just a source of strength? It should be this truth that as we begin to think back to the truths of who God is in verse 6, of of all that we know about him, we're like, yes, I will trust him. I can rely on him. And so this brings us to our third point. If we're going to rely on him, it means that we need to stand firm in the Lord. That's what they're called to do. Just stand firm in the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. 
Psalm 147, verse 10 and 11 says, His delight is not in the strength of horse, nor in the pleasure in the legs of man. It's not about our strength. It's not about our ability or our creativity. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those whose hope, who hope in his steadfast love. This is King Josiah, or Jehoshaphat. This is the whole nation of Judah at this point. They're like, God, we need your help. It's got to be you. And this prophet comes along and he's like, yes, the Lord has got you. You guys are good. You just got to go. Here's the place. Here's the, here's the time. Just show up and the Lord's going to do this awesome thing for you. So what do they do? Well, verses 18 and 19, like worship breaks out. They have this little worship time. Then jump down to verse 20. And they rose early. Now pause there for a second. I don't know about you, but if I'm them, I cannot sleep that night. Like you talk about a kid the night before Christmas. You're like, the Lord is showing up tomorrow, people. Like, this is going to be awesome. We know the time and the location. I'd have been tempted to go like camp out there. Just like, wait, like he's coming here. It's going to be amazing. But, but they get up. So they rose early in the morning and went into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord, Yahweh, the promise-keeping God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Your God and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Jehoshaphat is calling for his people. Listen, have faith in God, and you will find him to be faithful. And that's true for us too. Have faith in God, and we will find him to be faithful. The question is, will we trust him? Will we stand firm? Will we not run Will we stay there in the moment at the edge of the battle, wherever he takes us? And listen, sometimes he brings us and we have to fight. He doesn't always do the whole thing for us, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But sometimes he leads us right into the battle. But even in the valley of the shadow of death, he's with us. So he brings them there. Now, this would normally be the time when like, some like, war cry goes out where they gather up, the king gives a speech, and then it's like, yeah, or whatever they do. I don't know how Hebrew war cries went. I'm not sure. But that, like, that's what they would have done. That's not what they do here. Look at verse 21. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. This would have been quite the sight to see hey, let's get all of the best-dressed people who are great at singing. They don't have swords. They don't have weapons. They've got like harps and guitars or whatever they're playing at the time. You guys are going to go in the front, and we're going to follow you, and this is our war cry. And this is what they do. They worship the Lord. Verse 22, And when they began to sing in praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Amnon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. For the men of Amnon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devouring them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. And the battle's over, because the battle belongs to the Lord. And the Lord sent this ambush of infighting for total self-annihilation for this Transjordan coalition, and they're wiped out, just like that. And all they had to do was believe. All Judah, all Jehoshaphat had to do was rely on the Lord and have faith. Trust the Lord. He knows. He's over it. He's in control. I was thinking about this passage, and there's only one other place in Scripture where I think anything really remotely happens like this. And there's actually a verse that's it's so close to what this prophet says, okay? 
So Moses is leading Israel out of Egypt. And they get to the Red Sea. You know this story. They get to the Red Sea, and Egypt's like, no, we want you to come back. So they come, and that's their multitude. That's their great horde. They're coming against them. They're stuck at the Red Sea. They don't know what to do. And this is what Moses says. And Moses said to the people, fear not. Our prophet just said this. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Again, time, location. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord knows. He's over it all. He's perfectly sovereign. He is completely dependable. He is totally reliable. The question is, will we trust him? Will we rely? Will we stand firm in him? This is how God's people fight battles. This is how we face trials and difficulties and worries and temptation and loss and hostility and sickness and sadness and all of the things that would be impossible by human standards. We stand firm in the Lord. We seek the Lord. We depend on him. We go back to the things that are in verse 15 and verse 17. The battle is not yours, but the Lord's, and the Lord will be with you. And so what do we do? We worship. We worship the Lord. Look in verse 21 again, just at their little battle cry that they have going on here. Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Josephat didn't make this up. He's kind of quoting 1 Chronicles 16 and 2 Chronicles 5 where David and Solomon said very similar things. But he's saying these words because he wants to remind the people. They want to remind the people. They need to remind themselves of the truth of God and his character. And so they want that to be in their heads because listen, standing firm isn't easy. It's hard sometimes. They weren't called to sit back and relax. They were still called to stand. They didn't have to fight, but they had to stand. They had to exercise faith. So to exercise faith, we need to, we need to grow our faith. And they do that by reminding themselves truths of God. So they worship that others would hear the truths of God, that they would hear from others the truths of God. Now, I wish I could tell you that in every situation, the Lord always swoops in and makes everything perfect. But the reality is that that's not how he works. And the rest of Scripture shows that. There's only like two places where he does it just like this. Often, he brings his people and he carries them and he takes care of them and they rely on him and he provides for them in the battle. But for God's people, we know this truth. He always wins the war. Every time. Sometimes it's very difficult, but that doesn't change who he is or how we're to view him or how we're to worship and depend on him and seek him. In fact, all of the trials and the difficulties of this life, even the ones that are very hard, they are all still small compared to the eternal problem, the greatest multitude, if you want to say, the greatest challenge coming in against us, and that is our sin. And so God allows us in these moments here on earth to fight in battles and to, to see these wars going on, knowing that there's a greater victory that's won in Jesus. And so we can have hope. And if you're here today and you haven't put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, friend, that is the greatest thing that you have going on in your life that you need help with. Seek the Lord. Depend on the Lord. Put your faith in the Lord and stand firm in the Lord. 
And for those of us who are here who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but winds of discouragement keep blowing us off track and waves of sin keep tempting us and the crush of difficulty and heartbreak seems to be overwhelming us all of the time, worship. Worship the Lord. Psalm 37 verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for the Lord. What do we do while we wait? We worship. We worship our God. We remind ourselves of the truth of who our God is. So as we close and you think about what it means to rely on God then for you and your life, I want you to think about these three things. First, maybe is there ways that you need to seek the Lord more? Maybe you've been a a word person and not a prayer person, or you've been a prayer person and not a word person, and the Lord is saying to you today, listen, you need both. You need to seek me. You need to, as Joseph did, set your face towards me. There's a desperation. There's an urgency there. You've been far too passive. And the Lord's like, you need to seek me today. And you need to repent of not seeking. Maybe it's, it's, it's you haven't been depending on the Lord. You've been relying on self and all your things that you think you provided or I think I provided that make it so I can survive. And it's not true. And we need to come to the Lord and just confess, we're dependent on you, God. I need your help. Maybe you need to pray verse 12. Maybe you need to come before the Lord and say, God, I don't know what to do. I can't fix this problem, but I'm looking to you. Maybe though today, the Lord is calling you to stand, to wait patiently. And so you need to worship. And that's what we're going to do in just a second. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to remind ourselves of the truth of our God our promise-keeping God who loves us enough that while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for us. The one who's made a way for us to have hope. The one who's given us his word that we may know him. The one who's given us this opportunity that we could talk to him in prayer. That we can reach out to him and call out to him and rely on him. Let me pray. God and Heavenly Father, we just confess this is really hard. There's so many different things going on in our lives that are challenging and difficult, and we need your help. None of us have it all figured out. None of us have it all together. We all have circumstances. We all have a great multitude or a great horde that's coming against us. So God, would you help us? Would you help us to seek you that you would be found? That you would encourage us with your presence? Would you help us to depend on you? Because you're always found faithful. And would you help us to stand firm and worship you? God, looking to you, the one who all our hope is in, the only one who has victory. God, we love you. We declare together we need your help and we rely on you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.